Hey, what's up, Star Mindsets Nation? This is Dan. Just wanted to say thank you guys for listening, keeping up with the show. We've hit about 50 guests and close to like 53, 54 episodes. We are not going to let up. Uh, we do think that 2022 does see a lot of growth for this podcast and our listeners and definitely doing our best efforts to make that happen digitally. Um, it is a bunch of work, you know, <laughs> trying to edit these videos and get them on YouTube and on uh, Anchor and, and uh, yeah, um, but, you know, if you're interested in helping us out potentially, if you are a startup um, and you do need accounting services, we were lucky enough to partner with Bench Accounting, which is a leading bench, uh, which, sorry, which is a leading accounting um, group based out of, uh, I believe, Vancouver, Canada, and they've raised all the way up to Series C, so they're super legit. A lot of people say great things about them. Earl actually uses Bench for his company, Plantina. Um, they're um, they're a pretty new company as well. They're only about two years, but uh, we did realize that it is super important to have your books in order. And as a founder, you know, trying to do, uh, you know, trying to put all your effort into growing the business. Um, you you know, it's 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 easy. I mean, it's it's, it's a good good idea to get taxes and um, finance financial service um, work just put in the hands of the super super professional so if you're interested in taking a look at that uh, look in the description we have uh, an offer for 30 percent off for the first three months which brings a total monthly cost to around 250 depending on uh, which tier you pick uh, so there's two tiers um, but yeah if you're interested in that uh, Head to the description, and I hope you enjoy the show. Uh, this is Startup Mindsets episode 49, another super amazing founder who happens to also be a professor based out of Stanford University. Uh, Renee Morcos is the founder of Alice Technologies. They do stuff with AI and construction tech, and I mean, we're going to learn all about that today. Renee, it is our pleasure to, work, uh, to welcome you here into the Startup Mindsets podcast. Um, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm really happy, and, and thanks for inviting me. Yeah, no, we're super, super excited to have you here. Uh, I think you know the best way to just kick stuff off is: uh, can you talk to us about really briefly on Alice Technologies and is Alice an acronym, and just how did uh, you know this come about? Yeah, for sure. So, so Alice is an acronym. It stands for Artificial Intelligence Construction Engineering. Uh, and so I, I spun Alice out of my PhD at Stanford. Uh, it was uh, working on um, sort of applying algorithms to this problem, and I invented Alice. Um, that's how it, it, it came to be. I, uh, I'm a construction guy through and through. Uh, you name it, I built it. I've done underwater pipelines. I was in Afghanistan for one year as a civilian contractor to sure. design, built, and procured my own projects, uh, managed 114 people uh, when I was there um, at age 22, uh, did the $350 million gas refinery later, uh, did the cruise ship terminal in, in Amsterdam, the Bentley showroom, Motors showroom in, in Dubai, just to build a whole, I like to build stuff. Mm-hmm. And so I ended up doing a PhD and, and kind of uh, inventing Alice. That's how it came to be. Right, right. What's the underlying tech behind the company? Is it uh, <clears throat> like an algorithm that 
optimizes, you know, software for the user who tries to plan out construction projects or what is, a, what is you know, the bread and butter there? Oh, sorry, did that cut off? Carl, are you getting some trouble in the audio? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's some audio things with maybe <clears throat> Dan's uh, asking like, you know, yeah, how did it come to be? Um, you know, uh, what, what does Alex exactly do? Is it yeah. AI uh, kind of to optimize resources, right? Is that kind of what, what it is? Yeah, so, so, so basically Alice is a, a generative construction simulator, which, um, you know, is maybe a, a mouthful, but, but I'll explain exactly what that means. And so um, basically today you've got uh, about $12.7 trillion of construction that happens every year on our planet. And the way it's done today is manual. Right, you manually sort of create a schedule, manually optimize it, manually uh, reschedule it. Like it's a very manual process to create uh, or or to manage construction projects. Um, what we've invented is the world's first computer software that can take a construction project and build a construction project for you six million different ways. Right, it can build it with one crane, two cranes, overtime, no overtime. Um, 12 steel, steel crews, 14 steel crews, like it just builds it over and over and over again, millions of different ways. And then it says, oh, this is the fastest way to build your project. Or this is the cheapest way to build your project. That's what Alice is. And when things are delayed, you can update it into the, the, the software. You can say, hey, this is delayed. Can you reschedule? Or, uh, you know, these are the changes that happened. Can you uh, tell me the best way out? Should I, should I try overtime or should I, do I need to add more people, right? Or can I resequence? That's the stuff that you can do with Alice. And consequently, we can save about 17% on the, on the uh, duration and about 13% on the labor and equipment costs. Wow. No, I think that's, that's, that's really cool. Um, yeah, I mean, I think, is it more of like, because it feels like a simulation tool, right? Is it a simulation tool? Or does it kind of like a software as a service where people pay... And then you also take over, let's say, the project management tool so that the simulation gets kind of ported and people can. Well, like both of those it. statements are true, right? Uh, it is a simulation, right? Um, the difference is that it's not, you know, a static simulation. It's not like it simulates one, one construction, right? Or one way to build it. Uh, mm -hmm. It's dynamic. And so it, it, it re redoes it over and over and over again, you know. In the course of an afternoon, you can generate about, you know, call it 600 million different ways to build a project. Wow. All of them valid. And so if you have 600 million ways to build something, uh, and for each one you're calculating cost and duration, and each one is valid, you can start seeing how much efficiency you can squeeze out of the system, right? Um, it is a software as a service, right? It is a B2B cloud-based solution. Um, and it is a simulation um, I just emphasize that it's not a, you know, I guess it's not a static simulation, right? Because um, that's where the generative part comes in. That's why we call it generative simulation. Yeah, Dan, uh, any other thoughts here? Yeah, no, <clears throat> that sounds super interesting. Uh, just wondering, like, you know, when you were at Stanford doing initial research before creating this, uh, what kind of, you know, informed your decision to to go all in on this or like what specifically maybe in the research did you see that 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 um propelled this to uh reality yeah it's, it's a great question i think that like 
Thanks. <laughs> I go all in on anything I do. Mm-hmm. All right. So, so that's kind of the, the interesting thing about it is that um, for me, like I thought to myself, okay, if I'm going to do a PhD, uh, I'm going to do a PhD in something that's, you know, quote, useful. Right. So what does that mean? So I thought to myself, well, if I, if I do a PhD, I'm going to do it on something that, um, you know, is going to solve some problem for somebody somewhere. Right. It shouldn't be just some kind of, you know, oh, I, I spent five years thinking about something. Look, it's, it's a really cool, neat idea. Right. <laughs> so so to me, the, the, the biggest problem in construction is scheduling. Right. It's like, how do you build a darn thing in the first place? Right. What are the, the what are the sequence of steps? Right. Um, and um, the way you do that, right, with, with Alice is that you um, or when I, when I started researching this, right, this was the, the, the kind of the, the crux of construction was scheduling. Right. And so you know, that's why I picked the topic. But you know, in terms of going all in, like that's I guess that's just my style. Right. Like, you know, I was working. I mean, there was periods where I was clocking 20 and a half hour days, you know. Yeah, sure. Um, you know, so, yeah, I guess like. How, almost, how did you get the energy to do that, by the way? It was like a lot of Red Bull or are you just da- that thing passionate or uh, everybody at Stanford who has that DNA? No, I think that like the thing that you learn about Stanford is there's actually lots of ways to succeed. You know, yeah. uh, there's, there's people have different styles. Like some people are extremely <clears throat> organized, diligent, you know, and they're doing eight hours a day. Right. And and that, that's great. I mean, I, I don't have anything against it. I think everybody's got to pick their own, pick their own way of doing things. For me, um, I picked something really, really big, you know, I, uh, and I would really pour my like life into it. Um, I think that, um, it, it kind of like, I think it solves a whole bunch of interesting problems in the sense that when you're really spending like all day working and all night working on something, you start to really care about it a lot. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Um, so that's a question. Like, how do you start working on something, you know, 20 hours a day? It's not something that happens like overnight. You've got to ramp into it. And for me, the, the, the key, the key thing that you're looking for is, is, is concentration span. See, the brain is, is a muscle, just like really any other muscle, right? Um, when you're when you're not using your head a lot, um, even me, like if I, you know, take a break or I, I'm not really engaged in my research or whatever it is, like when I come back to it, you know, I've had times where my concentration span was sub five minutes. Sure. You know, the, the, the truth is that what I would do is I would just sort of look every time you, your brain, the way your brain works is it plays tricks on you. And so you want to, you know, you're like, oh, I got to clean my room or I got to clean the house or I got to do these chores or, you know, yeah. like, get distracted. Right. And that's your brain trying to, you know, get out of doing extra work. And so if you just tell yourself, OK, I'll do another five minutes. And if you just always add an additional five minutes to that control concentration span, what's really interesting is that um, within two, three weeks, you know, you'll be up very easily. You'll be up at, at you know, two, three, four hours. Wow. Uh, yeah, I've had I've had really days where um you know, I sat down to work and I and I got up like 13 hours later not realizing what happened. Um wow. That that takes that takes you know, to get to that kind of, you know, it will take like 5 6 weeks, you know. 
<laughs> but uh, once you're there, you, you're jamming. Like you're really getting locked <laughs> yeah. on. Really. It's like you're in, uh, in like the zone, right? Like, you know, yeah, like yeah. basketball, right? So that, 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 I mean, I, I'm curious actually on kind of this PhD track, right? Just because, you know, um, we also have some listeners who are generally in school, right? And people are saying, oh, you know, I find this great idea. You know, might as well just like leave academics and go, right? And then, or the PhD, which is like, um, I'm not sure about what I did in my thesis. Um, I, why don't I just continue and become, let's say, a professor? But you did neither, right? Like you didn't drop out of PhD to start a business. And after the PhD, you know, you went to the business and not the academic track. So I'm definitely curious on your decision-making process and how, how you were thinking about it during those times, right? Yeah, it's funny. I, I had a... Um, <laughs> I'll, I'll give you, I had a professor actually at Stanford that gave me a good piece of advice. And, you know, he asked me what I wanted to do. And so I, on, on my first day at, at the university, you know, I started my PhD. And so I rattled off like all these like great things and big companies and big achievements and public care, blah, 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 blah. And, and he sort of smiled and he said, you're very good at the push driven approach. What you have to learn is the pull driven approach. Once you've learned the pull-driven approach, you have to learn when to push and when to be pulled. That's where the real power lies. So the reason I'm explaining this is that um, there's two ways to do something. You're either like like hacking like crazy at it, right? Which most people think like is the the way to get something done, right? But there's another way, which is um, sometimes you're like, well, let me let the world tell me where I should go. Right. And so the reason I mention this is that um, the way that I ended up doing what, I, what I'm doing, which is I was doing a PhD. And what was really interesting is that at one point, I, I sort of had this like moment, right, where I was like working 24-7 and in the zone and so on and so forth. And I had this moment where I was like, hey, I, I, really, I really like what I'm doing. Right. Like, like I'm paying such a high price for doing it. Right, because it's really it's so many hours per day, right? That um, it's not really worth the, the, this this title at the end of the day, right? Or it's not worth whatever the heck it is that that that's going to get offered to me for having a PhD. And so I, you know, I, I I should either quit, right, or or realize that I'm doing this just because I like I want to do it. There's no other reason to do it. And the reason I say that is that like for me. I didn't think that the PhD was going to lead into a company, which is kind of interesting. I just, the, 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 the pattern for me is I really just put everything I had into doing what I was doing. Like to yeah, me, sure. finding the edge, you know, finding the edge of, of, of where I would break, right. Was, was what was driving me. <clears throat> it just so happens when you put absolutely everything you have into whatever you're doing, you tend to start doing really well at it, right? That part, like, I actually didn't really see coming. I, I was like, no, I'm, I like, I was having fun. I was cutting out little bits of paper sure. and shuffling it around on a table, you know, to mimic algorithms, right? Before I then went and, and wrote some code and developed an algorithm and, did, you know, a whole bunch of other stuff. But um I think that because I was like so driven to do this this thing in such a crazy way, like put so many hours and like I, I didn't want to write a PhD. I wanted to see where was I going to break. Like to did, me, did I was you, like, did you break somewhere? Or like, 
was there a breaking yeah yeah all the time all the time yeah i all like i mean i definitely had several moments where i was like okay i i don't know if i can continue or like i'm really really lost or i'm really tired but to me what was really like the whole point of it was was to go find these moments wow right like that was the point and 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 i was like you know what like like, I, like the thing with the PhD is my, my advisor said something to me, which was really cool because he said, you are never going to have anything in, in, in your life that you will understand in this kind of depth. Other than the even PhD? You, yes. And wow. he's right. Like even if you're a professor or if you're a, if you're a researcher, like the PhD is this one, like it, it's really this like one thing in, in, in life where you're, you wake up in the morning and you're like, hey, I'm going to work on this one thing and I'm going to do this for five years. What did you get your PhD in, by the way? This is going to be. I got the PhD in construction management. Right. Oh, wow. Yeah. So it's applying, like, it ended up basically, I I got the PhD in applying AI algorithms to construction management. Hmm. So, like, like, there's kind of two things. One, I wanted to explore myself and explore where, like, I was like, well, you know, that's kind of a cool thing to think about. Like, what can, I do in five years, if I dedicate everything I can to one thing, like how good am I? Right. How do you feel? I guess after, you know, the five years were over or I guess right now when uh, you, you take a glance at what you've worked on. (laughs) I mean, the thing is that what's kind of interesting about it is that, I'm happy, you know, and I'm Sweet. not happy yeah, because awesome. like, <laughs> it, it founded a company and, and filed these patents. And then, you know, I ended up, you know, being a professor and, and like, it was just a cool journey for me personally, you know, like, and the fact that it resulted in all this other, other cool stuff is like even better, like, okay, great. But so to answer the question, like, as I was working on it, like at some point, um, you know, we started actually like solving real problems. And I, and I had this moment where I showed the algorithm to a guy that I had worked with on site like three years earlier. And he was like, yeah, that, that schedules, that schedules a construction project. And so I was like, like, I remember that moment. It was like, whoa, like I just built an algorithm that can actually schedule construction. I'm like, that's really cool. And then we entered this like competition on campus, this this entrepreneurial competition, and we won first place. Oh, congrats! <laughs> Long overdue. Yeah. Then then I was like, well, wait, like we're voted, you know, quote best product coming out of Stanford, whatever that means. But like, um, I was like, like people think this is kind of valuable, and so then we talked to some investors, and investors, you know, wanted to give us a little money. So one thing led to another, right? And um, yeah, it, it, it's been a really, really cool journey thus far. Yeah, <clears throat> I'd love to, I guess, just pick your brain on the investors and finding capital for the idea. Um, Stanford's, you know, obviously a really melting, it's, it's known as a melting pot for uh, old ideas that get, get often uh, backed by the neighbors on Sand Hill Road. For you, I know, you know, Lightspeed and, and Maris Capital, a lot of, you know, really decent um, funds were now owners of Alice Technologies. Um, can you tell us a little bit about like how that um, investment, the, the time that you guys raised the money was and, you know, just something you recall from those days? 
Yeah, for sure. Um, uh, Maybe a fun story that you you hacked on the give you. I don't know. <laughs> um, yeah, I guess kind of you know. We probably talked like the first round of funding. We probably talked to, I think, three hundred investors right before we got a yes. You know, and this was like twenty fourteen, fifteen. Construction tech was not a hot thing. Yeah. And so people would like, you know, they're like, "Wait, you're working on on, on what? On construction?" Like, "Oh, no, no, no." <laughs> it's not it's not Snapchat related, right? Yeah, exactly, right. Something I don't like mainly to do with that, right? Um, and so um Yeah, I, I guess, you know, that that's one story, you know. Um Yeah, we talked to what Pretty thing? interesting. We got one one yes, you know. Did you Think of, I mean, did that whole process of talking to people and getting no's often, did that deter the mission or, you know, your, your work ethic toward achieving your goals or did that just make you more motivated or how did you think? I mean, the no's, the no's are hard, right? Yeah. I mean, you know, I don't know. I mean, I, I don't think you're really human if, if, if you, you're like, you know, people reject you and you're like, oh, I don't care. Right. Like, I mean, if you're getting rejected, you know, frequently and often, right, then, then it hurts. It's, it's painful. Um, I think that for me, um, I've grown so accustomed to hearing other people telling me that, that what I'm doing is, is crazy. It's stupid. It's, you know, like, you know, when I went to Afghanistan, right, you know, I, I graduated, I got a bachelor's degree. And first job I decided to go get was I went to Afghanistan. I went to, to a war zone. Yeah, you can imagine like most of the guys and the girls in my class were like, you know, what the hell are you thinking? You know, like that's a really dumb idea, right? Like, why on earth would you want to go to Afghanistan to go build stuff? Like, it's not like, you know, there's no jobs out here. Right? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> you know, I studied in Beirut and half Lebanese, half Czech, and you sure. know, I could have easily gone to Dubai and and. You know, either worked my, my dad had a small family business, or I would, could have worked at, at a number of construction companies. Then the construction boom was just about to happen, right? Uh-huh. Um, but instead, I went to Afghanistan, right? Like, um, I can absolutely assure you that there's not a single person in the world that said that was a good idea. Um, you know, there. Then I said, "Hey, I'm going to go get a PhD," right? And like everyone was like in construction like why would you want to get a phd in that's the dumbest thing i've ever heard <clears throat> yeah i have i have a friend who's dead and his whole family is a, like they're, they're in construction and i think like there's a lot of negative perception around the space just for some reason it's like you know you don't need to be too smart or anyone can do this or uh, you know what i mean but uh yeah you know i think you definitely have an alternative approach here and i think that um you know, uh, construction is obviously a very demanding work, a demanding job. What do you think really drew you to construction? Since, you know, you have all this, you know, life experience in the space. Like, what is it? Is it you love seeing buildings be built or, you know, like, is there a passion? That, where, is, where is a passion you would you'd say? I mean, I don't know. I was a kid in, in Dubai, right, in, in 99, right? And so I, you know, thought to myself, like, hey, you know, I need to go figure out what I want to do with my life, right? Hmm. And you, you were like ten years old at the time, or like, like a kid, or like oh a, no, I'm a, I'm a lot older than that. And oh. <laughs> I, I was, uh, I think, it was seven, seventeen. Uh-huh. You 
Yeah. And so I was like, well, I got to go figure out what I do, want to do with my life. And, and, you know, I, I kind of wanted, I knew I wanted to travel. Yeah. I needed uh, like some kind of a degree that could help me bounce around. And so law was out. Um, I was relatively good at math. And so I thought engineering and my dad was in construction. And so I thought to myself, like, hey, I kind of like that job. And, um, you know, I thought like, hey, traveling around building stuff is, is going to be fun. And so I, I that's, that's how I picked construction. No, that's awesome. Um, uh, yeah. Yeah, no. Renee, Renee, quick quick question here. Um, any point, I guess, in your life that you knew that you were, I mean, because it's pretty interesting. I said that I want to go 100%. I love building things. Like, you know, when did you notice that that was kind of your calling um, early in your life, right? Because it's uh it's it's somewhat i don't know if it's nature or nurture right but uh you know if you talk to most people in the world like not, not everybody's gonna say like i'm i'm you know i love building and i love you know right, basically right. going all in like this much like yeah. well, how did it happen like well, what was the inspiration yeah. or at least what was Here, the element you know, here's what's interesting about it right like like people that know me know that i have this this thing that i really love which is alice but Alice isn't just a company. Alice is, is really my PhD that's turned into company. Like I, I've read a book on, on the topic and that happens to be my PhD. I've read 3000 other books or publications on the topic. Like I have spent, you know, this point, what is it? 14 years yeah. day in day out on this topic. And so, you know, like the funny thing is so many people are like, ah, I wish I had meaning, right? I wish, I wish I had this like one thing that I, I would dedicate my life to. Right. <laughs> and somehow, like somehow people think that like you wake up in the morning and like there's these 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 particles of of inspiration, you know, that are that are floating around the universe. And then it <laughs> happens, like one day, it, like smacks you in the forehead. You know, you're like, aha, I'm an enlightened. I, I want to dedicate my life to, you know, saving the, you know, South African gazelle or whatever, you know. Something. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> um, but life doesn't work that way. Right. I mean, there, there might be some people like, you know, I've, I've heard of folks that are like, you know, I've wanted to be a surgeon since I was three years old. Right. And I'm like, that's incredible. Right. Like you're one of the 0.000001% of population that that, that that applies to. Right. But um, you know, in, in, yeah, in your case, it was more of a, you know, consist or constant, you know, nailing the hammer into the nail kind of thing. Well, I think that like, you know, everybody's like, oh, do what you love, do what you love, right? And you kind of read all these blogs, but here's the issue, right? Like our current society, like the uh-huh. metric that I look for is, is look at the effort, right? Required to, you know, input something, process and output, right? And, and, and our society, you know, as, as a race, we're inherently... I don't want to say the term lazy. I think efficient is a better way to view it. But yeah, everything around us is is pushing towards lower and lower amounts of effort. You're right. I think about this often too. I think, you know, me today, before we got on this call, I was still in bed 10 minutes ago, or like 10 minutes or you know, like half an hour to 10 minutes. And uh, I had to put the Zoom link into the, <laughs> into the calendar. And I was like, I could just do this from my phone, right? But the phone was being weird and I had to get on the computer, but I don't necessarily say that that is lazy. I think that's efficient or, uh, you know, different style of doing things, not, not necessarily, you know, have to, has to have a, 
definition. But, but the issue with that is that, the issue with that is that if you look at the head of Facebook growth that you know gave a talk at the GSB, the Stanford Graduate School of Business, uh-huh. maybe five, five years ago at this point, but he said, you know, I truly regret the short dopamine cycles we have unleashed upon the world. And so what you're what you're noticing is like a lot of people are getting really pushed into these very very short like almost sugar-like bursts of like happiness on social media, on what they're doing in their life, like, and so on and so forth. And so the reason I mentioned that is that like, um, everybody's like, do what you love, but nobody tells you how to, how to find what you love. Here's, here's a an <laughs> secret, but I, I had come to a conclusion that I didn't like civil engineering at one point. Hmm. You know, I was like, oh, I'll, I'll do, you know, I'll, I'll do something else. Right. But the interesting thing about the PhD was that, Here's a hint. If you do something for 15,000 hours, you are going to fall in love with it. Can that be applied to I'm pretty anything. sure you anything. Everything, huh? Yeah, I'm pretty darn certain. Like the truth of the matter is that, that here's how, how I think it works, right? And this is coming from a guy that was like, oh, man, I got to find something other than civil engineering. And then suddenly, you know, 14 years later, I'm like, man, this thing's a lot. This is amazing, Right. But but here's the thing, right? If you if you look at construction, you're like, ah, construction, like why? You know, it's boring. But like someone like me, you've spent so much time looking at the intricacies of it. Mm-hmm. Like you know, uh, you know, think of a woodworker, right? Like you and me, you look at a piece of wood as a piece of wood. You look at another piece of wood that you know, just maybe a different size, right? But mm-hmm. someone that's been working with wood for twenty years, like they look at it and they go, they they understand the the the, the moisture that's captured in it. They look at the grain of the wood, the knots. They they start to quickly understand what they can, you know, is it a shelf, a, a, a you know, a, a tabletop? A, yeah. Like, like, you know, that's what I'm saying is that the, 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 the fascination. Of, right. The fascination, the detail of understanding of it. And I think the other thing is that like you, you've, things are only worth what you put into them, right? In some right. cases, right? And so if you've put, you know, 10,000 hours of your life into something, you care about it. Yeah, 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 totally. So, so, so the this 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 fallacy, right? Of like, oh, I'm gonna wake up and and the thing I love is gonna like hit me in the forehead, like, like hell no, right? <laughs> the truth matters is like, you know, what do people like? It's like, oh well, I I like like you know, pursue your passions. What are your passions? Well, I I like snowboarding. I got some news for you. Yeah, right? <laughs> whatever the heck it is that you do for fun. Try do that for 12 hours a day for two months. I, I do want to follow up with that fascination thing um, for you. I, I mean, me, I, I guess with my personal, um, I guess, background, I, I have an English degree, right? So I have a, I read a lot of boring books, not, not just Shakespeare, but, um, you know, but pockets of the major were definitely fascinating to me. And then uh, I was like, wow, I was able to, spend four years or two years focusing on a specific, uh, what do you say? A specific, you know, field of, of a study for you. Did you, do you think like the, you know, the route where, where it wasn't just focused on learning, not the non-education route necessarily, like the, the, the more, you know, creative business route. Did you uh, also find, did you find that more um, enjoyable than, uh, than, than being a PhD student? Or just how do you, I mean, I wouldn't want to make you compare, but like, how do you talk about that time? You know, I, I'm maybe a rare breed, but I, I think that the schooling, um, 
you know, going to school is, is a good thing. You know, I, um, I personally, you know, I, I, I don't have the, I was not born definitely with the natural discipline uh, to go out. There are people, you know, and, and, and I'm really blown away by them. I know several of my friends that, you know, um, are self-educated, right. And they really like, you know, they've read books and they've taken courses and they can talk to you about quantum mechanics and, you know, they really like really self-educated. Right. Um, I don't have that. I don't have that gene. Right. I, 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 to me, you know, being in an environment that is pushing me to discipline myself, to learn what I need to learn in a structured sort of, you know, format is what I needed. Um, in terms it's of, you know, education in a lot of cases, huh? Or like that's the yeah. school system, I guess. Yeah, I, I, I like, I like the, the, the research was really fun. I liked it. I, I liked sitting in a room and thinking like I really did. Um, sure. Yeah. Business, it's very different. It's, it's, you know, you, you get very little time to think like, you know, you don't tend to get, you know, a month to go think about a problem, right? It just doesn't, you know, no, no. but True. um. On the other hand, you get real life impact, right? Sometimes with research, you're like, oh, I wish I could, you know, actually do something in, in the real world, right? So for me, I've sort of straddled these two worlds. So it's been pretty cool. So yeah, as you're saying, you, you know, bit, you know, seeing the impact of business can bring what compared to, uh, I guess, the, being able to sit in a room and think as a student or um, someone in the academia world. Can you can you just continue on that uh, thought train of thought with uh, you know the style I mean, of thing? Like we, you know, construction is not a it's not a highly advanced field, um, and so it, like if I had written a bunch of research, I couldn't go to a company and say, "Hey, go implement this research." And somewhere like biotech, you can definitely do that, <laughs> right? Um, so for us, like, you know, if, if this research was ever going to mean anything, I had to go and actually implement it. Right. But, um, I think people get too hung up on this, like, you know, founding a company and, and having ultra just success. Be really, good, just be really, really good at whatever the hell it is that you're doing. Right. If you're a software developer, be the best damn software developer there is. If you're a product designer, be the best product designer there is. Right. Like for me. I like to push the edge. I like to push the boundary. I like to push the limits of what I'm doing. And that, uh -huh. you know, like to be clear, like I don't, I know that it takes thousands and thousands of hours to get to that edge. Right. And so, um, you know, I've met designers, right. Where, where, you know, when you talk to them, you go to their house, you suddenly see like all these books on design, <laughs> you know, and they're like, they're really pushing the, the, the boundary of it and they're, they're having fun. Right. And, and I think to me, the, the way it worked out was I was doing research and, and that research started to have like real world applications. And then I um, knew that if, if like there wasn't anybody I could give the research to that could go and implement it. So I went and did it myself. Right. Um, but, you know, the, the, the research was fun. Right. I, I, I really like I wouldn't mind being a professor, right? And and being an, a CEO and a founder is fun, right? Sure, sure, yeah. I've got a buddy of mine that that we founded the company at roughly the same time, and he's now a co-founder, and he's not the CEO, right? He's now a, a head of product, right? And and I think that's fun too. Yeah. Like just like I think people, I think over 
rotate on like, oh, I'm going to go like the only way I'm ever going to be happy is if I, if I go and, and found a company and, and it's successful. Right. And, and you're really setting yourself up for a lot of pain if that's what you're thinking. Yeah, no, I think, I think you got a valid argument there for sure. I think, uh, I mean, a lot of, a lot of, uh, the space, or I guess the traditional Silicon Valley ideas, is, uh, is all, is, is all the successes of the, the fact of, uh, having a startup or whatever, but I think that, yeah, if we, we kind of changed the idea to focusing on learning rate and, and, um, I think a little bit more on what you said, just trying to be the best and putting in hours and maybe that it's, I mean, not focusing on too much of a, it's kind of hard to words, but <laughs> to the, the, in terms of the, yeah, out, yeah, the outcome, I know it. Terms of putting into the outcome instead of just the process, which is what we weren't trained to think of. Right. Cause cool probably brought you up, probably brought everyone up to think about the outcome. I don't care how I get the A as long as I get the A that gets me a degree that gets me a job that gets me, but I think in this field of uh, entrepreneurship and business where you have experimentation as the main main kind of ingredient or main kind of objective, um, that, that, that experimentation should be championed other than business growth, although you do need both, which is quite, quite the marvel or whatever. <laughs> um, Renee, yeah, so you know, thanks for saying that. I think coming towards an ending point or yeah yeah uh, did want to ask you one question about being oh sure go ahead then uh uh what is it like you know you you, you've been in student so much we get the real sense that you've uh really devoted a lot of your life to learning um can you talk to us about being a teacher and i mean a professor to really students? you know i really like it i I think it's it's (laughs) You know the, the 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 biggest difference I think between like teaching and and business is that, you know, in, in business it seems like everything's on fire and everybody's yelling at you, right? Whereas in teaching, everybody's listening to you. <laughs> nice welcome change. Um. Um. So yeah, that's kind of uh, I think that the biggest difference about it. I think that, you know, you've got to ask yourself like, what's the impact that you're going to have? Right. And once again, we live in this world that like over rotates on, on, on entrepreneurship, like as being the only thing that's worth, you know, doing that, that, you know, and I, maybe it gets, cause I live in Silicon Valley. Right. But, um, you know, there's a lot of great, um, I watch the Nobel prizes, right. You know, every year. Right. And, and or, or, I, or I read, you know, what, what, what the inventions were coming out of it. I, I um, was a subscriber to nature right? The journal, right? Like there's a lot of, you know, incredible ways that you can impact the world. For me, the teaching and and the research, right? Is like, you know, these documents that I produced on, on, you know, formalizing construction as an AI algorithm or formalizing construction constraints as generalized scheduling constraints or realizing the limitations of the critical path method and, and those kind of things. Like I'm fairly confident that, you know, there'll be Somebody that'll pick these documents up 20 years after I'm gone. <laughs> sure. <laughs> and uh, I, I'm, I'm confident that it will not be, you know, a New York Times bestseller, right? There'll be, you know, five, six people over the course of a year. They'll pick them up and dust them off and read them and be like, oh, that's kind of cool. Uh, you know, like that guy did some, some cool work, right? And so, yeah, I think that's kind of what, what, what attracts me to it, right? 
for sure. Uh, yeah, great. So maybe Renee, um, as Dan mentioned, we we always end this podcast with uh, you know our, our two or three major questions, but I'll, I'll just put it up to you now. Uh, maybe first question, uh, you know, what advice would you give your twenty-year-old self? Um, you know, knowing what you know now in building a startup. What advice would I give to my twenty-year-old self? Um, you know, I, I think that uh, I guess I would say two things. One is the that a hunch that I had, which is you know, not to listen to everybody else, right? Is is the right hunch, <laughs> right? Because um, uh, you know, it it really resulted in a lot of internal stress. And I think, I think when I look back at it, you know, I wish I had spent a little more time enjoying it you know like especially when i was younger i was i was a lot more exactly what you were saying dan which like outcome based right like yeah. oh, I, like i've got to succeed at this thing and if i don't succeed i'm like a total loser and no one's ever gonna like me right like <laughs> you, know, you know now that i look back at it i'm like man like you know if you had spent more time enjoying what you were doing you would have still ended up where you ended up, but you would have maybe had a little more fun doing it. So, I love awesome. that. Yeah. My, my, my last question before I turn over to Dan is, if you had to summarize your own personal startup mindset in you know, one, one maximum two sentences, what would it be? It's just pushing the edge, right? Brutal dedication. Like, put absolutely everything you have into the thing you're doing. And see where it goes, right? Yes, and, 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 and the cool thing is that you will forget about the whole world, right? Because you, you, you're, you're so like working on this one thing. And then like forget about everybody else. And then just like it, it's really cool. Because like as, if you're doing one thing, like 18 hours a day, seven days a week, like really cool stuff starts to happen at some point, you know? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, no, I, I dig that answer, Renee. That's, uh, you know, something that I'm going to try to apply, and hopefully we get a lot of views on this, so we'll get those people to apply it, too. I think that'd be awesome. Um, but, you know, fantastic conversation today. Uh, definitely enjoyed a lot of what you've said, and just hearing your A to, a to Z uh, journey, as well as uh, what it's like being a professor, and as well as uh, being a CEO and startup founder. That's it's a unique blend that you don't often find. Um, so uh, if, if people are, you know, in the construction space or in the tech space and want to see what they can, um, how they can, I guess, uh, learn about Alice Technologies or, or I guess maybe read some of your research, how, how do they get, get to do that or what's the best way for That's them? That's crazy. Just get on alicetechnologies.com. Sweet. Makes, yeah. makes sense. Uh, well, Renee, yeah, thanks so much for coming on the show, man. It's been an honor. Yeah, it's really been great to talk to you, uh, Dan and Earl. Thanks for inviting me. And yeah, really excited to be here. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks, Renee.